Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to the State of Florida Sports Podcast, presented by the USA Today Network. Here's your host, Tim Walters. It's a question I've been seeking an answer to for two years. Is Dolphins quarterback Tua Tungavailoa good? Well, I think this season has answered that question. The third-year QB has been lighting up opposing defenses, throwing for 19 touchdowns, which is tied for fifth in the league despite missing two games and parts of two others. Two of the Dolphins' three losses came when Tua was out with a concussion, and the third loss came in the Thursday night game when Tua suffered the concussion. All three losses happened consecutively. With a win over the Texans this past weekend, the Dolphins are riding a five-game winning streak while leading the AFC East, holding the tiebreaker advantage over the Buffalo Bills. The two will meet again in December. This upcoming weekend, they'll face one of their toughest challenges of the season as they travel out west to take on the San Francisco 49ers. We know the Dolphins can score, but are they up to the task of stopping an equally explosive 49ers offense? To break down this game and everything else Dolphins, I welcome back Joe Shad, the Dolphins beat writer for the Palm Beach Post. Joe's a frequent visitor of the podcast, and his analysis of this team is second to none. Hello again, everybody. I'm Tim Walters, and thank you once again for joining me on the State of Florida Sports Podcast, powered by the USA Today Network. This podcast utilizes our Florida Sports Network, a beat writers, columnists, and some special guests to bring you up to speed on the most important sports topics. Our Florida Network consists of 17 news sites that encompass the state. We encourage you to subscribe to your hometown newspaper, and of course, this podcast to help support the incredible journalism done by our talented staffs. Joe Shad has covered the Dolphins for the better part of a decade, yet he's never seen them win the AFC East. The Dolphins last did that in 2008. Let's bring him in now and find out how he sees the rest of the season playing out. Joe, welcome back to the podcast. Thanks for having me, man. Absolutely. So before we start talking Tua or the 49ers, I want to talk the Dolphins defense because the Dolphins took a major step to shore up the defense at the trade deadline by bringing in Bradley Chubb on November 1st. So in the three games since, the Dolphins first allowed 32 points to Chicago, then 17 to the Browns, and now 15 to the Texans, including shutting them out in the first half on Sunday. So was the move enough to help them slow down upcoming opponents like the 49ers, the Chargers, and of course the Bills late in December? Well, it is a good thing the Dolphins added Bradley Chubb, especially when you take into account that they lost defensive end and pass rusher Emmanuel Ogba for the season uh, recently. And when you look at the Dolphins' ability to rotate into two spots, three different players, uh, Bradley Chubb, Jalen Phillips, and Melvin Ingram, they all had about the same number of snaps in the Dolphins' last game. That's really a lethal combination. Uh, a group of guys who, with the occasional pass rush of Andrew Van Ginkle as well, uh, give them the chance to get pressure on the quarterback without blitzing. 
And that's something that the Dolphins were unable to do for large parts of last season and certainly early this season. You know, the Dolphins' defensive turnaround, in part, has to do with the weakness of their recent opponents. And certainly the, there's a, a step up in class uh, in the upcoming schedule with the likes of uh, Jimmy Garoppolo, Justin Herbert, Josh Allen, Aaron Rodgers. Those are four quite good quarterbacks, and it's certainly a challenge. Uh, without some key players on offense, on defense, who have been injured, such as Byron Jones, certainly no indication that Byron is returning anytime soon. And Brandon Jones, the safety as well. Yeah, I mean, when you look at the 49ers coming up this Sunday, I think they may have one of the best running back, receiver, tight end trios you're going to find anywhere with Debo Samuel, George Kittle, and then the recently acquired Christian McCaffrey. And when you add to that, you're right, Garoppolo has been playing really well. So if you're the Dolphins defensive coordinator, Josh Boyer, how are you approaching this game? Which are you trying to, you know, you can't really go one-on-one on all of these things. So what are you going to try and mainly stop? Yeah, you know, the Dolphins have been fairly solid against the run this year. Uh, running quarterbacks are the ones who have given the Dolphins the biggest problem. So I wouldn't be as concerned about McCaffrey as I would be about uh, George Kittle in particular. I mean, you're, you have to assume Xavier Howard is going to try to shut down Debo Samuel. And Xavier is feeling better after having uh, two groin injuries that he needed to play through earlier in the year. He's feeling better scored a touchdown on Sunday against the Texans. But who exactly is going to cover George Kittle? Is it the safety Eric Rowe? Is it the undrafted rookie safety Verone McKinley? Is it a cornerback like Cater Kohu? Uh, Keon Crossan has been playing through some injury as well. This is the time of year where teams are banged up. And the Dolphins is certainly no exception. Cater Kohu, the outstanding undrafted rookie corner, from Texas A&M Commerce and Ivory Coast, you wouldn't even know that he played through a pretty bad right thumb injury, had it in a soft cast. So it's that time of the year where everyone's trying to play through uh, injury, and and certainly the 49ers' offensive scheme will pose a challenge. I guess one good thing is that uh, Kyle Shanahan runs a scheme that's quite similar to what Mike McDaniel operates with the Dolphins. So the Dolphins have certainly practiced against this type of scheme all, all off season. Yeah. I mean, how big of an advantage is that, that McDaniel has come over from this staff. So it kind of takes away a little bit of the surprise of what the 49ers might try and do. Yeah. You know, they know each other well and they know each other's tricks. Um, you know, obviously one of the things that each of those coaches, Kyle Shanahan and McDaniel try to do or come up with specific plays to add into the playbook in a given week to attack an opponent's very specific weaknesses. And so, you know, uh, Shanahan's certainly going to try to put the Dolphins number two and number three corners and number two and number three safeties uh, at a disadvantage and into some difficult spots. But yeah, Garoppolo and Tonga Vailoa are, uh, I believe, both in the top five in the NFL in passer rating. Tua and Garoppolo ahead of Rodgers and Allen in passer rating. Who would think that, right? Crazy to think about, but you know, two guys who are very efficient with the ball 
and you know who who make a lot more smart decisions i think than uh, reckless decisions i guess you could say so you know let's talk about this past weekend game against Houston and uh you know i'll be honest being the sports editor of our Jacksonville newspaper i was paying more attention to the craziness going on with the comeback against the Baltimore Ravens so you know i i saw the score at the bottom of the screen and before I, you, you could blink it was 30 nothing dolphins so you know the glaring stat that i read after the game though it said that Tua was sacked four times all after Toronto Armstead went down with a pectoral injury. So how much is that going to affect the Dolphins if he's out any period of time because he is one of the, you know, the most important pass protector? Yeah, earlier in the season, Greg Little was the backup left tackle for the Dolphins, but when Armstead went out about midway through Sunday's game, the Dolphins put Brandon Shell, who was pretty solid at right tackle, uh, when filling in for Austin Jackson over at left tackle, and that did not work out quite well. Tungavello was pretty quickly sidelined in a precautionary move with the Dolphins leading 30-0 at halftime. So uh, it's going to be interesting to see, assuming Armstead is out this week and NFL Network reports it's a strain, not a tear, which is good. That means that he'd presumably be able to return at some point this season. Uh, do the Dolphins go back to Little at left tackle or do they go with Shell? who, again, was solid at right tackle, but not as solid at left tackle. Uh, and then Austin Jackson didn't finish the game after returning for the first time since the season opener. Uh, he kind of re-aggravated his ankle, but he told me after the game that he felt he would be okay. Well, you know, Joe, w- when you also look at the Houston sideline and their quarterback situation, you see Kyle Allen replacing Davis Mills. It kind of looks like every situation you've covered, Miami until Tua came along. So you want to talk about Tua, or would you feel more comfortable breaking down Allen and Mills? Yeah, it was really uh, embarrassing. I felt humiliated for the Texans. That is a pathetic uh, franchise at this point in time. Uh, It reminded me of where the Dolphins were in 2019, uh, except even worse. And that was, of course, the teardown tank season. I don't know if the Texans trying to tank but they're old they're bad uh it was really hard to watch uh kind of considered that like the dolphins last preseason game for sure so but it is interesting that the texans had no interest in acquiring tongue of aloha as part of a potential deshaun watson deal last year uh obviously uh it's worked out quite well for the dolphins not having to give up assets that they would have had to give up to get watson uh, and Tungavaloa obviously not as didn't play quite as well on Sunday as he had in the previous three games, but it was good that the Dolphins were able to shake a little bit of rust after a bye week, and uh, playing the Texans will certainly benefit them as they go into a tougher part of the schedule. Yeah, you know, last time you and I were talking about Tua was you know after one of the scariest moments you're going to see in in NFL history where he goes down and his fingers lock up and you know he's concussed really bad after he was slung down like a rag doll and you know he missed a few weeks the Dolphins struggled they got their only losses during that period but since he's come back they've won five in a row 11 of his 19 touchdowns have come in those five games he hasn't thrown an interception in four straight games so talk about Tua his recent performance his health And do you have any other concerns for him going forward? No, I mean, the one thing that people bring up, uh, Tim, is uh, the cold weather and uh, how will Tua perform in those upcoming cold weather games. You know, of course, we know the Dolphins have to play at Buffalo and at New England. But 
it's actually going to be kind of chilly in San Francisco and uh, even perhaps not quite so warm in Los Angeles. So, uh, you know, certainly not going to snow in Santa Clara and uh, Los Angeles, I guess, is a dome, but uh, or a covered stadium or whatever. But, um, you know, listen, more difficult opponents from a pass defense perspective. Uh, Tua has, uh, you know, been lights out certainly throughout the early part of the season, an MVP candidate. But, uh, you know, what does he do with the playoffs on the line? What does he do as the pressure ramps up? Uh, what does he do as the, the weather gets worse? I think, uh, you know, he is highly accurate. And I think that even though the Jalen Waddles and Tyree Kills of the world have the ability to go deep, uh, you know, the underneath stuff is always there for them. The yards after catch plays are available. But really, the Dolphins need to get the running game going. This is the time of year. You flip the calendar to December. You'd like to see Raheem Mostert return uh, to the lineup next week after missing this week due to a knee injury. And uh, it'll be really interesting to see how the combination of Raheem Mostert and Jeff Wilson, who were the 49ers' top backs last year, do against their former team. They're obviously going to be very, very motivated uh, going into a game against San Francisco and Kyle Shanahan, who traded them away. Yeah, definitely. And, you know, that is the one part of their game on offense where it, it hasn't quite lived up to snuff because, but you know, let, let's look at the receivers for a minute. Obviously, Tyreek Hill is one of the reasons Tua is reaching Ruthian levels this year. He's got 1,233 yards, an average of 112 yards per game. He leads Justin Jefferson by one yard for the league lead. And he's one of only three receivers averaging more than 100 yards per game. And Stefan Diggs is the third. So how impressive is he to watch in person? And do you think he can break that 2,000-yard mark with six games remaining? He needs 767 yards, which is about 128 per game. Interesting. Uh, you know, you think you think in order to have a chance for him to win the MVP, he would have to set the record for most receiving yards by a player, breaking Calvin Johnson's mark. And Cooper Cup was up there last year. Cup injured probably, uh, yeah. And, you know, unfortunately for the Rams, God, what a bad season they've had. But um, uh, everything you saw in the spring and summer has translated to the regular season. Terry Kill appeared uncoverable then. He's uncoverable now. And, uh, you know, look at the impact that Mike McDaniel has had on the Dolphins' turnaround. Terry Kill is right there as nearly as important. Uh, he has meant everything not only from the ability to get open, but just the fact that he has supplemented all the boosting of Tonga Vailoa's ego that uh, Mike McDaniel started once those two met. So, yeah, it's really uh, you know fun to watch. And uh, that it's, it's changing. The perception is changing. You know, there's only one NFL team that has more victories than the Dolphins in the entire National Football League over the last 20 games played. The Dolphins 16 and four, the Chiefs 17 and three. Think about that. 16 and four. The Dolphins, the Miami Dolphins, <laughs> are 16 and four in their last 20 games played. What does that mean? That means that this is a turning point for the franchise. They are a legitimate contender. Yeah, it means a lot of long suffering fans finally get some good football to watch. Uh, the the equally impressive thing is look at the other side. Jalen Waddle, he's almost at a thousand yards. So even if you don't have Tyreek Hill, you have someone with nine hundred sixty three yards 
that's good for fifth in the league, and he's just behind Devontae Adams. So can you remember a receiving duo, or who comes to mind that might remind you of these two just incredibly elite wide receivers on either side? I mean, it's obviously one of the best potential receiving duos in in NFL history. I mean, just growing up, you think about, you know, the Ram, the the Rams with the greatest show on turf. I guess is the greatest show on surf. Think <laughs> about the, uh, the uh, you know the 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 uh, I guess back in the Houston Oilers days, you know that they, those guys come to mind. But um, yeah, I mean, listen, you know, Duper Clayton obviously, you know, set the mark here uh, for the Dolphins, and uh, you know, it's going to take a lot to surpass the legends that those two were as a duo. But um, the Blur Brothers, as they call them, Tyree Kill and Jalen Waddle, um, they're faster, they're more explosive, they're even more exciting than those two guys. And it was kind of cool. There were uh, 10 Dolphin fans in full Penguin costumes. And I asked Jalen if he saw it. He said, no, but he heard about it. And uh, he thought it was pretty cool. He said that those fans must have been, quote, hot as hell, which I'm sure they were. (laughs) But when you put the two of them together, they sound like something that happened in a war a long time ago. Someone we needs to take Waddle Hill now. <laughs> <laughs> so um, I, I'm hearing since the, the games are out west, uh, the 49ers this weekend and the Chargers in L.A. next weekend, you get to stay uh, out and be California dreaming for a week, Joe. So talk about what it's like when you travel out west to follow a team for a full week you know, they're away from home, you're away from home, practices are going on at places they're not used to. Talk a little bit about what that's like out on a two-week West Coast trip. Yeah, I mean, I guess the downside is there's no locker room availability. The players will be uh, selected and brought out to us uh, throughout the week, presumably. Um, but, you know, it's. Uh, I was talking to Andrew Van Ginkle. Uh, I was like, hey, is your wife and young child going to like come out to California? He said, no. They're going to go to Iowa and uh, you know, spend time with her family. So, you know, it's it's a long time for Andrew to be away from his wife and child, for me to be away from uh, my wife and daughter. And uh, But it's also a bonding opportunity for the players, and, and uh, they, there's a good chemistry in that locker room. But, you know, being together on the road for, you know, nine, ten nights, whatever it is, uh, having some dinners, doing maybe a couple of activities together, uh, maybe Raheem Mostert will show the guys how to surf. That's his thing, assuming his knee is feeling better. And I guess maybe not the best week to surf. But, um, yeah, you know, um, I got the tip to fly into uh, San Jose instead of San Francisco. I've been to San Francisco enough times. I don't need to go back there. So I'll stay in the Santa Clara area before taking a quick, like, $80 Southwest flight over to Los Angeles. It's amazing. And flights are so expensive, but then you get the – the occasional like $80 one hour flight. So I'm looking forward to it. I'll, I'll certainly miss my family. Uh, and I, I wish it was warmer. You know, I, I don't like that uh, 39 degrees, low of 39 Ooh. degrees in Santa Clara next Saturday. No, uh, thank so you. I, I, I ordered a winter coat from Nordstrom, uh, got the, uh, the Black <laughs> Friday sale. So hopefully it'll come in time. <laughs> Very nice. And, you know, maybe it's because I watch too much Shark Week. It's one of my favorite weeks of the year. But I know don't go surfing in that stretch between L.A. and San Francisco because people literally get eaten by great white sharks out there. So tell the players and yourself, Joe, be careful out in those waters. <laughs> <laughs> 
I, one of the things I try to do is dip my toes in the Atlantic Ocean and Pacific Ocean in the same uh, week. I think a couple of years ago I was able to do it in the same day. So we'll uh, we'll see if I can get that done. I, I'm more of an East Coast guy. I don't know. I grew up in New York, and my wife and I love Florida, love Deerfield Beach, Hollywood Beach, Fort Lauderdale Beach. Uh, I don't know. I, I don't I don't love Venice Beach quite as much. <laughs> Taxes are much more reasonable here in Florida too. So, uh, you know, as, as we were talking about the schedule, you know, uh, the Dolphins really don't have any gimmies coming up after the Niners and the Chargers. You have Bills, Packers, Patriots, and Jets. And it's important to note that the Bills and Patriots games are up in the freezing Northeast, which we've seen the snow up in Buffalo recently. You know, they already had to move one game because of all the snow up there. So how many of these remaining six games do you think the Dolphins need just to secure the AFC East? Well, you know, a three and three record would get you 11 and six. And I think that would probably be a tiebreaker situation with the Bills. And the Dolphins want to win the AFC East so that they can host a playoff game. All three division winners will host a playoff game regardless of record, which these are things I haven't had to really think about in recent years. So I looked that up. doesn't matter if you're an eight and nine division winner, you're going to host a playoff game potentially against an 11 win wildcard team and home field advantage, I guess, hasn't been a huge deal in, in recent NFL playoff seasons. And this will be interesting to see one team getting a bye right now. The Dolphins would host the Jets at Hard Rock Stadium in the 2-7 game, which would be fascinating. But, but let's, let's go through the exercise here. Let's say they split with San Francisco and uh, the Chargers. That brings you to 9-4. and four. Let's say they beat the Packers. That's 10-4. and four. Uh, And then uh, at Buffalo, that's a loss. So 10-5. and five. Uh, so then you have two games left. The whole thing comes down to the final two games uh, at New England and home for the Jets. So, you know, I think a three and three finish with four of the six games on the road is the most likely scenario. Eleven, uh, yeah, eight and three to eleven and six, which would the eleven wins would exceed Brian Flores' nine and ten win seasons in recent, uh, you know, in we forget the point I'm making is that Brian Flores actually produced a decent amount of wins in the last two seasons. So anything less than 11 would certainly be disappointing. And, uh, you know, the, uh, the bills have some winnable games, so it's not going to be easy to win the AFC East. I know it, it hasn't happened very often in recent years. Yeah. Since the turn of the millennium, the Dolphins have won the AFC East in 2000 and 2008. And you and I were talking off the air before the podcast. You and your time covering them, two different stints, have not even seen them win in AFC East. So, Joe, I'm wondering, is this year's Dolphins the best you've ever seen? Uh, yeah, I think so. I covered the Dolphins from 02 to 04. Had three years of Adam Gase. Dolphins went to the playoffs in his first season. Uh and then three years of Brian Flores. So, yeah, this is a this is a, a complete team. It's a legitimate contender. It's I mean, listen, the Dolphins haven't had this type of quarterback play since Dan Marino. They haven't had this type of explosive offense since Dan Marino, Don Shula, uh, maybe Irving Fryer days. So we're talking two decades. And the Dolphins are very competitive on defense. That might not be quite as good 
they're not quite as good as they were during the Jason Taylor, Zach Thomas, Sam Madison, Pat Sertan era, uh, but good enough, good enough to beat any opponent. And uh, it seems unlikely that Byron Jones will return at any point this season, but gosh, what a boost that would be if he surprised everyone and showed up on a practice one day. Yeah, absolutely. So if you had to rank them right now, if you had the Joe Shad power rankings, who are you putting ahead of them? Maybe the Chiefs or maybe not. Who, uh, who are the NFL teams that you look at and say this team is is as good or better than the Dolphins? Uh, yeah, I mean, you know, the Dolphins have beaten the Bills, but, you know, most folks would pick the Bills to win a head-to-head matchup. And certainly most folks would pick the Chargers. Uh, so, you know, uh, third, you know, third choice in the AFC, which is pretty darn good. And then certainly, uh, you know, the Dolphins have lost to Minnesota and Philadelphia is 10 and one. So those are four teams that you would certainly put ahead of the Dolphins in a power poll. But uh, to have Miami sitting at, say, fifth uh, as we enter December is uh, is quite, quite remarkable. But, you know, the whole perception of the season will change depending on what happens down the stretch. Uh, yeah, our perception what... of Tua, our perception of Mike McDaniel, our perception of this season uh, is all on the line. You know, I've, the Dolphins are 5-0 and since my return to full-time coverage, my return to the locker room and game action uh, after returning from uh, two eye surgeries that I had, doing fine. Uh, and so, you know, it's been cool to, to go 5-0 and and watch five wins but it gets a lot tougher from here. So it's a package deal. You and Tua both had to return for the team to go 5-0. and Yeah, Tua is undefeated in games he has uh, started and finished healthy, and I am undefeated in games that I've covered in person uh, that in which I have finished the game without an eye injury. <laughs> <laughs> well, that, that's good to know. <laughs> All right. So what, what do you think, you know, Mike McDaniel, we were talking a little bit about him earlier playing his former team, but just overall this year, what do you think of the job he's done with this team? Uh, you know, no one knew what to make of him before the season. He seems a little bit different than most NFL coaches, but he sure seems to know what he's doing. He is, and he's a pleasure to cover. He's the most enjoyable head coach I've ever met and ever in any uh, sport, uh, you know, ever. He's, he is... Uh, He's just a really cool guy, and uh, he's got uh, a good sense of humility, and he's smart, and he tries to help everyone do their jobs, which is pretty cool. I watched that show. I, I don't know. I forget what it's called. The, the one the one where the guy is a doctor, and he runs a hospital, and his thing is, uh, how can I help you? He always says, how can I help you? And uh, I don't know if you know the show. I'm thinking of one of, your, one of our listeners will know. Yeah. But uh, that's a McDaniel thing where he's always looking to help. And um, whether it's a media member or a staff member or a receiver, uh, how can I help is a cool thing. Not enough people think that way. Most people are thinking, how can you help me? Yeah, that's a great point. You know, and how important was it for him to show that confidence in Tua from the start, which is something Brian Flores never did? Yeah, I mean, listen, uh, McDaniel was going to coach Tua Tungavailoa regardless of, you know, what he thought of him. He didn't pick him. But, you know, he, he quickly realized, McDaniel did, that uh, Tua is highly ac- accurate and, uh, you know, that he could be a good fit into the offensive scheme 
uh, a tweaked version of the offensive scheme that McDaniel learned from Kyle Shanahan, who, of course, coaches the 49ers and who the Dolphins will face this week. That'll be a big storyline. Yeah. So, well, you know, speaking of storylines, what haven't we gotten in front of the audience, Joe, that you may want to mention or that maybe I haven't asked you? Uh, not too much. Um, you know, I'm looking forward to, to going on the road. I'm looking forward to seeing how tour performs in the cold weather of Buffalo and New England, and also how he performs against Justin Herbert, considering he did outduel Justin Herbert in a game at Hard Rock Stadium. And Tua has admitted that he understands why he's being constantly compared to the man who was drafted one spot behind him. Herbert has, uh, you know, he had a good game on Sunday, but hasn't had as good a season as he had in recent years. So now some folks are saying, oh, this is proof that Tua was better all along. Well, you know what? Things change quickly. And, uh, and um, you know, again, how will this Dolphin season be perceived? Uh, I can't wait to watch these next six games because they're so much more interesting than the previous five. Yeah, that's for sure. You know, th- those are two teams. The Chargers and the Dolphins are both two teams that uh, have had unfortunate losses to the Jaguars over the course of the last two seasons. So maybe Trevor Lawrence has gotten the better of both of those quarterbacks. Yeah, I thought it was interesting that um, one of the Jaguars defensive players uh, blasted Urban Meyer uh, after the last game in reference to how fortunate the Jaguars are and Trevor Lawrence is that they were able to get away from Urban Meyer And I know there are similar feelings in the Dolphins locker room. So I went all the way to England to watch Urban Meyer versus Brian Flores. And now neither one is, you know, around. All righty. So, Joe, uh, tell the people where they can find your work on social media as long as the blue check marks can continue to be there and be free. Yeah, go to uh, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. Look up Shad Joe, S-C-H-A-D Joe. And, uh... Yeah, who knows how long Twitter is going to be around, so i got to build up my Instagram account. If you don't follow me on Instagram, please uh, jump on there and give me a follow. Yeah, I also need some trendy TikTok videos with you singing along to current music, Joe. They're trying to get me on TikTok, but I don't, I don't know. I don't know that I have it in me. Uh, you'll have to dye your hair a different color, you know, maybe green and purple or something. <laughs> Orange and blue. There you go. <laughs> all right. Well, again, you can find all of Joe's work at palmbeachpost.com as well as many other Gannett sites in the state of Florida. Joe, as always, it's a pleasure. I think we've had a great discussion, and I'll probably be talking to you as some of these big conference games come along in December, so I can't wait to talk to you again soon. Sounds good. Thanks, man. All right, and that's going to do it for this episode of the State of Florida Sports Podcast. I'm Tim Walters, and to quote the aforementioned Dolphins coach Mike McDaniel, you have the ambition to be great. My job is to coach you to get all that greatness out. That's exactly what he's doing. Thanks for listening and join us again next time. Just going to run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. 
from the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts.